Everybody say the struggle of the firstborn. And we saw the ride from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob uh, to Reuben, the firstborn of Jacob. Every one of them was disinherited and then coming down even to the, the sons of Joseph. The, the father in the state of blindness still chose the youngest over the eldest. And in the case of Jacob and Esau, the, the fight and the struggle began in the womb before they came out of the womb. And that was a particular pattern in this bloodline. And we've been dealing with patterns of the bloodline. Uh, remember that I said that in the garden of Eden, the snake uh, that showed that in the garden that appeared to Adam and to Eve was just a snake and their inability to deal with it in in genesis it was a snake but in revelation it became a dragon and so the things we don't deal with today will live to fight us tomorrow now childhood traumas childhood traumas that are not dealt with become adulthood giants hmm. Say it again. Say it with me. Childhood traumas. Childhood traumas becomes becomes adulthood giants. Adulthood giants. It means that some of the traumas you have when you were a kid, if you don't deal with it now and you grow up, it becomes giants and mountains that will confront you. Let me let me explain something to you. A little baby girl is born, and most time it is believed that when children cry, as babes in their court, is because they, they are hungry or they are wet. And so baby cries, mama comes to check on the baby, and the baby is wet. So mama changes the baby's uh, diapers and gives the baby something, breast milk, and the baby goes back. To, to relax and then after a while baby cries again then mama comes and check on the baby you are not wet you are not hungry I just fed you what is wrong and baby is still crying so mother picks baby and takes baby around and sings for baby and put baby to sleep so puts the baby to go to sleep now that thing continues after a while baby the next day keeps crying again after a while and mama ch goes check you are not wet you are not hungry i just fed you why are you crying picks baby up sings for baby again puts baby to bed baby sleeps after a while the baby in that young unconscious age subconsciously realizes that anytime she needs attention all she has to do is to cry and mama will come pick her up and sing for her now if the mama doesn't realize that that little kid and baby at that stage it's intelligent through the soft conscious mind which we call the fourth dimension and it's manipulating her mama keeps on picking up that child anytime the child cries without a reason now the child keeps growing up and realizes that anytime I cry I get what I want now that child develops that attitude of that particular habit even when she grows up if she can't have what she wants she has to cry put up an attitude to get what she wants if it is not dealt with she grows up with that attitude now the enemy then can put that beautiful sister together with a man very anointed with a great destiny to do something in his generation for God 
That sister is born again, she's Holy Ghost filled, she's tongues speaking, but she got a childhood problem and situation that hasn't been resolved. So he puts that girl together. He arranges to make sure that these two people come together and make sure that that particular problem in the lives of this sister that is not resolved is used to become a snare and an obstacle to this man's purpose and destiny. Now, she is not possessed, so she's not a demon. But she has a crack in her life. There is an attitude of selfishness, self-centeredness. I must have my way. If I don't get what I want, then I'll put up an attitude and a fight to make everybody's life miserable until I have what I want. Now that becomes an open door for the enemy to enter into her at any time. He wants to frustrate this man of God or this woman of God. He uses that nature, that attitude in her that hasn't been resolved that started when she was a little baby in the baby court now let me demonstrate something to you all right let me bring it here yes sir anybody has a belt I can borrow I like this guy. He's a great guy. <laughs> Lord have mercy. What am I going to do with this guy? Now, look at something. This is a brother. This is a brother. Call to shake the nations with a great anointing. With the potential to, to shake the nations of the world. To change the nation. Now you got to understand something. That when the wise men saw the star of Jesus, they understood that that star represented greatness. They were attracted by the star. They didn't have all the details, but they knew that that star represented greatness and it was a king. They knew that that star was a sign of somebody born to be great and a king. And they followed the star till they got to the land of Israel. Now, you got to understand something here. To every one of us here, when we were born or when children are born, anybody in the family with an evil eye can see the star of the child. That is what we call familiar spirit. When we were born, when everybody is born, you are born with a destiny. You come with something. And the enemy has a way of seeing, but he doesn't have details. He cannot tell the details of everything, but he can tell that this person has potential to be great and to become somebody. So this is what the enemy does. Now the church got to be stronger and smarter. Now the enemy knows... That the Bible says, how can two work together except they be in agreement? So what the enemy does, this brother here is called to do great things for God. According to God's original plan for his life, he's supposed to go this way. This sister loves the Lord. She's born again, she's speaking tongues. She's very anointed, she's great. Her destiny, she's supposed to go this way. So the enemy puts the two of them together. Thank you. Thank you. All right. He puts the two of them together. 
by whatever means, either circumstances or emotions, by a dream, by a vision, by prophecy, by whatever. He puts these two people together. This one here is supposed to go this way according to the will of God for her life. And that is a conviction. This one here is supposed to go this way according to conviction and the call of God and that is the will of God. Now, this belt here is the marriage union and covenant that binds the two of them together. So they come together in a marriage union. This person here believes God has called me to go this way and that is my conviction. So this person is trying to move this way, fasting and praying to go this way. This one to say God has called me this way and he's also fasting and praying to go this way. She has a strong will and said, this is the call of God. This is the will of God for my life. He also has a strong will. This is the will of God. This is the call of God for my life. What is keeping the two of them together? The marriage call. So this is the situation. She is pulling him this way. He is pulling her this way. The two of them go nowhere. So the will of God for both of them is frustrated. Who wins and who gains? God or the devil? Don't tell me. Answer is between you and God. Thank you. Think about it. Who loses? Who gains? Who wins? Both of them dies in that state and they stand before God and the purpose of God for which they were born was never fulfilled and done. Hallelujah. Now, everybody say Judah. Everybody say Judah. I spoke to you about Reuben, the firstborn of Jacob, and how he was supposed to produce a king for the tribe of Israel. And as a result of the iniquity and his inability to control and to govern his passion. You see, Christianity is self-control, self-governance, mastering. Everybody say mastering. Say mastering. And Reuben was unable to master his passion. And therefore, he went to his father's bed with his father's concubine. And the old man did not say anything. And when it was time to pronounce the blessing, he said, Reuben, you are not qualified for the blessing. I'm stripping you of all rights. Now, the right to produce a king for the tribe of Israel was given to Judah. Everybody say Judah. Judah. Use the word again, say Judah. Judah. And ladies and gentlemen, if you study the bloodline of Judah for nine generations... Judah could not produce a king for the nation of Israel. They could not produce a king for the nation of Israel because the original Judah, who had the prophetic mandate and the blessing of his father in Genesis 49, had gone out. He had done something that was wrong. He had committed incest. Incest is one of the things that is plaguing even the church and plaguing the fam- a lot of families today. He committed incest. And as a result of the act of incest, he slept with his daughter-in-law and, and had a child out of wedlock. He committed incest, had a child out of wedlock. And ladies and gentlemen, as a result of that act, it placed an injunction on the bloodline of Judah for nine generations. And that 
was the reason why, ladies and gentlemen, Saul became king over Israel. Because Saul was from the tribe of Benjamin, not from the tribe of Judah. So Saul should have never become a king over Israel. But he was a substitute because there was an iniquity. There was a sin. There was, there was a contamination in the bloodline of the line of Judah. And God had to purge the bloodline of Judah. He had to deal with that sin. He had to deal with that iniquity. He had to deal with the incense in the bloodline before allowing Judah to sit on the throne as king over Israel. It took God nine generations to deal with it. And so for nine generations, Judah could not produce a king for Israel. You got to also look at something. When Adam, when Adam ate of the fruit, if Adam understood what he was doing, when the wife gave him the fruit to eat of the fruit, he had two choices. Either to go with her and eat of the fruit, or say, baby, I love you, but the price is too much. I cannot go with you. You are on your own. Because in going with her, he betrayed 42 generations after him. It took 42 generations to restore man back to the garden. From Adam to when Jesus came and shed his blood was 42 generations. And he followed one woman and sacrificed 42 generations. Judah decided to trade generations after him. Even unto the third generation's prominence for pleasure with his daughter-in-law for such a few seconds and minutes and sold out the birthright of an entire generation up to the ninth generation the blood line of judah could not produce a king to sit on the throne of israel come with me let me show you something look at deuteronomy come with me to deuteronomy chapter 23 and verse 2 deuteronomy Chapter 23 and verse 2. Deuteronomy chapter 23 verse 2. Uh -huh. A bastard shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord. Even to his tenth generation shall he not enter into the congregation of the Lord. Are, are you getting it now? Even to what? Hmm. Even to what? His tenth generation. Say tenth generation. Say tenth generation. I want you to look at me. Say tenth generation. Now, this was the problem David had. When David became a king over Israel, the enemy access. You see, you got to understand something, ladies and gentlemen. Look at me carefully. The devil is a long-term planner. Everybody say the devil is a long-term planner. Now, now look at something. The Bible said a sower went to sow and when men went to sleep or when men slept, an enemy rose up and did what? So tears. Are you hearing me somebody? Now, when the harvest came, then said to the servant, 
Did you not sow a good seed? Where are these coming from? And the master said, An enemy has done this. Now hear me carefully. When was the test revealed? It was revealed at the time of harvest. Are you hearing me somebody? So when the enemy plans to hit you, he doesn't hit you where you are now. He plants his seed and programs his devices against your future when you are just about hitting the peak of life to hit you. So when you come down, it becomes a bigger and a greater scandal to the body of Christ. The devil we are dealing with is a very wise devil and it's time for the church to wake up and realize what we are dealing with that we are dealing with an enemy who is a long-term planner not a short-term planner but a long-term planner is anybody hearing me ladies and gentlemen at this time david had become so powerful he was conquering the nations subduing the nations had dominion over the nations was ruling from coast to coast and David was so fearful it was believed according to scripture by the wisest man that ever lived the bible said when you heard him it was like you have heard the counsels of the LLR. his name was Ahitophel he was deeper than Solomon and Ahithophel said to Absalom, Give me three thousand men, and you and the others handle the rest of the mighty men. But it will take three thousand men to capture your father David. That was how powerful David was. It was believed that when David went into war, the anointing came upon him and the man was fearful. It took 3,000 men to capture David. 3,000 men to capture one man. That was how swift, skillful the man was in battle. He had become so powerful and the enemy knew just what to press, the button to press. According to the revelation and the history of his bloodline to get him. Somebody say, I hear you. Somebody say, I hear you. The Bible says, it takes generation to patch the blood line of those who were born out of wedlock before they are allowed to enter into the congregation of the righteous. Now you got to understand some things here. You have to understand the rules of engagement and how these things work. Now you got to understand that even though God forgives and forgets, the devil does not forgive and the devil does not forget. So the devil's job is, the devil's job is to accuse you of things you have done knowingly and unknowingly. The devil can accuse you of things you have done and things you haven't done. He can accuse you of sins of commission and sins of omission. 
Now David said, deliver me from presumptuous sin. Now what is presumption of sin? A presumption of sin is when you assume that this brother is gay because of the way he walks or because he has nothing, the, the guy has been around for a long time, he won't marry, he doesn't have anything to do with women, he had to be gay. And you assume or presume that he's gay and yet he's not. It's a presumption of sin. Where you assume or perceive somebody to be something that he's not. And therefore you treat him or her based on your perception of them. And yet they are not what you think they are. So we sin sometimes without even knowing we are sinning. Based on our own experience and perception. And the way we perceive things. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I hear you. So at this particular time, because of the sin of Judah, if you read the whole 38 chapter, you will see what led him to this particular situation, how the daughter-in-law disguised herself. And he went in into her because he thought she was a harlot. But she knew that it was the father-in-law. And she did that to him because she wasn't treated fairly. And as a result of that, some contamination came into the bloodline. And God said, you can't sit on the throne as king over Israel with this contamination in the blood. Because God seeks a godly seed. Say a godly seed. Say a godly seed. And something ungodly had been injected into the bloodline and he had to be punished because the blood of Jesus was not yet shed. Thank God for the blood. Oh, I said, thank God for the blood. You didn't hear me. I said, thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Somebody put your hands together and shout to God for the blood. Somebody shout, thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blood. Church, we are only where we are today because of the blood. But for the blood, God would have wiped out the church. Because there are so many crazy things going on in the church. But for the blood, we won't be here. But thank God for the blood. Hallelujah. Because every now and then when Satan goes to God and tells God that God, you see what your children are doing and what the church is doing. Jesus will call the Father's attention to the blood. And say, Father, they are the reason why I shed the blood. This is the reason why the blood was shed. They are the reason why I died. They are the reason for these holes in my palm. They are the reason for the pain. They are the reason for what I went through. Father, let the matter be handled by me. By the time I'm finished with them and I present them to you, they'll be spotless and holy and blameless. Give them more time and they'll be okay. Thank God for the blood. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. I know you are all spiritual people. But I tell, I was telling a pastor friend of mine, I said, one of the reasons why the youth don't want to come to church and we are losing them is because we are talking about too much Bible stories. And our Bible stories are not relevant to the times we live in. We got to be able to take the Bible stories and make it relevant to today. So that the youth will realize that 
God is the God of today and not just God of yesterday. And that God understands whatever they are going through. Now, now hear me. Do you realize that Judah here, Judah here was the fourth generation from Abraham? And the same pattern of the issue of the firstborn happened to the sons of Judah, even out of wedlock. The two of them, the eldest and the youngest, the struggle began in the womb. And the youngest overtook the eldest from the womb and came out. Now, let's look at something. Come with me if you please. What was the name of the one that came out of the womb? Hello? What was the name? Fares. What was the name? Everybody say Fares. Everybody say Fares. It's important. You need to know the name to follow the history. Say Fares. Okay, come with me if you please. To the book of Ruth. The fourth chapter. Reading from the 18th verse to the 22nd verse. Ruth chapter 4 verse 18 to 22. Ruth chapter 4. 18 to 22. Uh Now these are the generations of Phares. These are the generation of Phares. Now remember that Phares was the son of Judah who was supposed to produce kings for Israel. So we want to count from Phares. Look at it. Now these are the generations of Phares. Phares is one. Mm -hmm. Phares begat Hezron. Two. And Hezron begat Ram. Three. And Ram begat Aminadab. Four. And Aminada begat Nashon. Five. And Nashon begat Salmon. Six. And Salmon begat Boaz. Six, seven. And Boaz begat Obed. Eight. And Obed begat Jesse. Nine. And Jesse begat David. Ten. Now, do you realize that David was the first generation of the bloodline of Judah? To become a king over Israel. Now according to the destiny. And the prophetic destiny of Judah. The father said. Judah. Unto thee shall the gathering of thy brethren be. And the scepter shall not depart from you. Until Shallow comes. Ladies and gentlemen. Until David came on the tenth generation. Because of the incest in the bloodline. Judah could not produce a king. The reason for the book of Judges was because of this problem. They had to be judges because Judah's destiny was deferred until the 10th generation. Hmm. Come with me to Matthew chapter 1. Look at something. Come to me. Come with me to Matthew chapter 1 from verse 1 to 6. Matthew chapter 1 from verse 1 to 6. Matthew chapter 1 verse 1 to 6 the book of the generation of Jesus Christ Uh the son of David the son of Abraham Uh and Abraham begat Isaac Uh and Isaac begat Jacob Uh and Jacob begat Judas and his brethren you see Judah, everybody say Judah Judas. say it again, say Judah Judas. Judah was the one who was supposed to produce the king for the tribe now look at something, see the name that come after Judah Hmm. go ahead and Judas begat Phares. Who was Phares? The one that broke through in the womb and overtook the elder brother. You remember? Yeah. So come from Phares. One. 
And Judas begat Phares and Zara of Pharma. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And Phares begat Esrom. Two. And Esrom begat Aram. Three. And Aram begat Aminadab. Four. And Aminadab begat Nassim. Five. And Nassim begat Salmon. Six. And Salmon begat Booz. Seven. Of Rechab. And Booz begat Obed of Ruth. Eight. And Obed begat Jesse. Nine. And Jesse begat David the king. Ten. Go back to Deuteronomy 23 and 2. Look at Deuteronomy 22, 23 and 2. Deuteronomy 23 and 2. Read it again, please. Deuteronomy 23 verse 2. Uh-huh. A bastard shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord. Even to his tenth generation shall he not enter into the congregation of the Lord. Are you hearing me, somebody? Yeah. Tonight, we are going to go back up to the tenth generation of our bloodline to activate certain promises that has been put on a hole. Thank you. Are you hearing me, somebody? Hallelujah. You didn't hear what I said. I said, are you hearing me, somebody? So, church, I want you to hear me. There are reasons why certain things happen in our lives. Things don't just happen. Somebody says technicalities. Technicalities. Somebody say legalities. Legalities. Somebody say ordinances. Ordinances. So, there are things that happen in our life as a result. You see, look at me. Look at me. Everything we do, wrong or right, has consequences. That's right. Everybody say consequences. consequences. Everybody say consequences. The Bible says, be not deceived, for God is not mocked. For what thing soever a man soweth, that also shall he what? Reap. So God will forgive you, but you will still reap it. Unless you declare club failure. Club failure. Say rules of engagement. Talk to me. Say rules of engagement. Rules of engagement. Let me show you something. Come with me to Joshua 6.26. Joshua 6.26. Joshua 6 verse 26 uh-huh. and Joshua adjured them at that time saying cast be the man before the Lord that riseth up and buildeth the city Jericho he shall lay the foundation thereof in his firstborn and in his younger son shall he set up the gates of it now hear me look at me before we look at the reference there are national cases. If you look at the different coup d'etats in Ghana, they happen at different particular times. If you look at the nation of Nigeria, every 20 years, there is a major disaster that takes place in Nigeria. We have to be students of history and students of prophecy. That's right. 
to be able to avoid some things the church have to stop playing church and begin to become students of history and of prophecy to be able to be effective watchmen over the walls of our nation we just can't sit down and be happy about what's going on we can't leave the governance of our nation and we cannot leave the destiny of our nation to be decided by politicians we need to get involved not necessarily becoming politicians but we need to be well informed we need to know what's going on we got to know the decisions being taken and the laws that are being made to determine the destiny of our future and that of our children we have to be able to say that this law is an ungodly law we condemn it and this law is not taking root in this nation only the council of the law shall stand somebody lift up your hands and shout yeah When we sit down and we think our nation is beautiful and everything is okay and we leave it to the politicians and we are not watching spiritually, the enemy will sneak in. For when man slept, that was when the enemy came in. Thank you, Papa. Jesus. There are national cases. Joshua spoke a curse over Jericho and it was a very simple curse the curse he spoke went into the atmosphere ladies and gentlemen and hear me carefully it affected the land so the land was barren it was a, it was a barren land Jericho and the waters were bitter and when the women drank the waters of Jericho they became barren and it took somebody with a double portion of a father's anointing to heal the land and the waters by the name of Elijah that's right that's right because Joshua was carrying the mantle of Moses so in order for the land to be healed and for what Joshua said to be addressed and dealt with it needed somebody with a double portion of a father's anointing so it took Elijah who had a double portion of a father's anointing to heal the land of Jericho and to heal the waters of Jericho hear me the word Joshua spoke over Jericho held Jericho's destiny at ransom, ladies and gentlemen, for 1,000 years. Let me show you something. Come with me to the book of First Kings, the 16th chapter, reading First Kings, the 16th chapter, and the 34th verse. First Kings, chapter 16 and verse 34. Look at something. 1,000 years. Let every pronouncement that has held your family, your progress, your finances, your marriage, the destinies of your sons and daughters, let the power of those words be disengaged. Let it be negated. Let your sons and daughters be released from the consequence of those words and pronouncements in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. 
Hear ye the word of the Lord. First Kings. First Kings chapter 16, verse 34. Uh-huh. In his days did hail the Bethelite built Jericho. Uh-huh. He laid the foundation thereof in Abiram his firstborn. Mm-hmm. And set up the gates thereof in his youngest son Zigab. According to the word of the Lord which he spake by Joshua the son of Nun. Hear me. If this guy 1,000 years after Joshua spoke the word had investigated the history of Jericho, he would have known that Joshua, the son of Nun, made a pronouncement over the land of over the land of Jericho that any man that rebuilds the walls of Jericho shall lay the foundation of it with his firstborn son and will set up the gates thereof with his secondborn son. But we don't study the history of cities. We don't study the history of families. You don't just marry a man or marry a woman. You marry into a family. You got to know the history of where you are going. Histories are very important. You don't overrule histories by the confession of faith Jesus say history when I go into a city I always check on the history of the city I've been asking questions since I came here as soon as I sat in the car I said tell me about the history of this city Cape Town tell me the history has there ever been a revival in this city what brought about the revival who were the vessels and the tools and the instruments that brought about the revival what did they do right and what did they do wrong how how did the revival ended and how did they die tell me the history of the men that were used to bring about the revival it will tell us something you got to check the history of your family there are some things I don't eat. There are some things I don't eat because I know the history of my family. And I know certain foods is not good for my constitution and for my DNA because of my bloodline. So I don't eat some things. There are some things I don't do to be able to avoid certain things in the bloodline. Thank you. And you can't just say by faith, by his stripes I'm healed. That's why by his stripes we were healed and we are still sick. Because the Bible said to faith out. So faith is a foundation upon which we build. So you can't just be running by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. You just can't dwell in the place of faith. You have to add to your faith because faith is a foundation upon which we build. Thank you. Thank you, Papa. Praise God. I want you to think. I want you to start asking questions. And you will find out. I had a problem with my father because my, my dad wasn't there for me. I met him at the age of 15 years. And when I got saved a few years after, the Lord said to me, he said, son, you have to stop hating him and forgive him. And, and let me tell you what the Lord told me. The Lord said, what you hate, you become. But what you forgive, you are released from. Thank you. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. 
Hallelujah. Let's look at, let's look at, let's look at the family of Moses. Let, let's see where Moses came from. And this problem of temper Moses had that prohibited him from entering to the promised land.